Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, David Steele, and I'd like to welcome back my co-host, Ann Cargard. This is the seventh episode in a long line of them that will span over the course of several months as we analyze, critique, and dissect each and every Marvel film in chronological order of release. Last week, we did Thor The Dark World, and this week, we will be doing Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Real Talks. That's R-E-E-L Talks. Just like my name, S-T-E-E-L-E. Also, you can follow us on social media. I'm on Twitter at WannabeRounder, LinkedIn, and on Instagram at DCaduto. Where can they find you, Ian? They can find me on Instagram at frogs underscore Z, so F-R-O-O-G-Z underscore Z. Just a couple of quick announcements. Our Patreon channel is now live. You can find it by typing Real Talks into the search bar. Let me tell you a little about it. We're offering five different levels you can support us at. $5, $10, $20, $30, and $40. If you do choose to support us, you'll have the opportunity to get some great perks, such as earning your name shouted out before every podcast, cool merch, and if you're one of our major contributors, you'll get a one-hour monthly Zoom meeting with Illua and myself. For more details, just go to the website. I'll leave the link in the description. So without any further ado, let's dive into the movie. Okay, so this is Captain America and the Winter Soldier. It seems like we're doing sequels today. We just did Thor The Dark World, and now we're doing Captain America the Winter Soldier. But the good news is... This is a much better sequel. So it's something I actually enjoyed rewatching for sure. It wasn't a chore. Yeah. So this is, I will say this, this movie, I think I won't, this isn't maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but I think this movie saved the MCU. Really? Yeah, I do. I think because this movie was so good and was so profound for its time and what it is, it saved the MCU. And I'll get into that a little bit later on. So this was, once again, made by Marvel, distributed by Paramount. This got released just about seven months later, right after Thor Ragnarok in April of 2014. This one was two hours and 16 minutes. And that just tells you the, the time with the other one that was only an hour and 42 minutes. So you're talking about almost half an hour longer. Budget was $170 million and it was well used. It opened $95 million. So it made almost half its budget back in its first week. And it ended up growing just about $260 million domestic and made $714.5 million internationally, which was huge. The screenplay was, I got to give the screenplay screenwriters here a lot of credit. Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. And they did the first, so we talked about the first Avenger. Did you really remind our listeners, did you really care for the first Avenger? I liked it. I think it was the better Avengers out of all of them. Yeah, I liked it. Did you? Yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good origin story. So I think for its time, it was well done. So they did the first Avengers, so Marvel kept them on later on to do Civil War. Infinity War and Endgame, which we all know just blew up for billions and billions of dollars. So this was the first movie that was directed by Joe and Anthony Russo, who 
did you mean Dupree? <laughs> that was their claim to fame up until that point. So I've never heard of that movie. What is it about? That I don't even I don't even know. So it was a comedy, I think. And I say I think because I don't know. <laughs> but they had done other movies too, but they weren't well known in doing that. So I think it was a combination of the screenplay and good direction to really make this what it was. So as we open, I thought it was a great shot of the Washington Monument, just in that morning light. And then, of course, it was, you know, we see Anthony Mackie's character running on, along the bridge and Steve just flying back him on your left. And it was just, you know, two or three times. So he starts to get a little annoyed, but it was, you know, kind of a funny annoyed. So eventually he ends up, so they end up meeting and bonding over that. And you get a little bit of backstory too, which was good about he was a he was a former Marine or paratrooper. And so he was telling Steve to how he was asking him how he was adjusting and everything else. And then, you know, he, he said the nineteen seventy two Marvin Gaye. And so he I loved the little book he had, you know, having all these things and you you could see Star Wars in there and you know I wouldn't I wonder if that wasn't a little dig on uh Disney. But yeah, so yeah, just, you know, a little subtle. So yeah. And then we see that he looks down at his phone and says, I got a mission for you. So then talk about flashy. Like you want to really, in comes this Corvette. Hey guys. So this is the first time we see Black Widow in a while. And by the way, I think Scarlett Johansson, beautiful. I thought she was amazing as a redhead. What did you think? Uh, stylistically, what did you think? Personally... I like it a little darker. I thought it was, but I mean, I'm not looking at it from like a male perspective. I know when I think about a hair color, I kind of like more natural kind of colors. But for her, it was like, bam, you know, so. I think the juxtaposition of, of the like dark colored car, I think that actually had something to do with it. Yeah. But so, so they go on this mission. They are now getting debriefed on the, on the chopper. So then, of course, Black Widow is trying to always set Steve up. Well, what about this? I forgot what her name was. This Linda or from accounting or Kristen. What if you ask Kristen out from accounting? I'm sure she'd say yes. You know, and he's like, no, too shy. No, just too busy. So he jumps out of the, the plane. And one of the guys, did he just jump out without a parachute? Yeah. So it was just so he lands on on this boat and he just starts taking guys out. And a couple of them were just like, wow. Like how he kicks the guy, one goes clear off the boat. <laughs> but actually, it was interesting because if you notice the length, the, when they did the wide shot of the boat, it was just like when he was running on the bridge, that, that long thing. So you kind of wonder if he wasn't practicing for something like that. But yeah, so that was, and then I thought the fight. So George St. Pierre, for all those that don't know, is a, or was, a mixed martial artist fighter, a fantastic one. And he... Uh, Did he ever, like, win, like, majorly? Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he was in the UFC. Okay. He was in the UFC, and he was he was one of the best. And he retired because not he was tired of the steroids in the game. He left the sport on the top. And so... But that was a great fight sequence. The choreography on that was awesome. I mean, that's just starting out... Right with a bang. So that was great. So then you see the Nick Fury 
and Cap have a conversation about Project Insight. And then things start to, you know, you see Cap start to be Captain America. Well, this isn't fear. This is, you know, this is fear. This isn't freedom type of thing. So you start to see that kick in. Kind of the goody two-shoes thing come in. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, you got to start to get on board with this. And, of course, these helicarriers are going to be pivotal later on. And so, yeah. And then what ends up happening is he goes to the Smithsonian, which I thought was – this was a really cool – job it was a great job writing it and a great job actually doing it you didn't you never had to watch the first avenger and you could actually go into the winter soldier and it gave you the backstory of the whole first movie in five minutes yeah it was a good plot device i will say just to kind of like yeah it was just so well done and yeah i thought that was fantastic so he goes to visit Peggy, and so his love that he sees that, of course, she's aged, you know, and he hasn't because he's been under the ice for so long. So then he gets back to his place, and so meanwhile, Nick Fury is now, we in comes Alexander Pierce. So let me ask you this question. What did you think? First of all, it was the first time we had a big name in any MCU movie, right? Robert Redford, like, whoa, they got Academy Award winning Robert Redford? What did you think is Robert Redford playing Alexander Pierce? I think they could have used him better. I don't think the character was a good fit. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the name is there. He was in only maybe 10 minutes of the film, maybe not even 10 minutes. He's in the one shot when Fury's talking with him and he wants his Iron Man to come by. He's, when he talks to Captain America, the couple of shots of the World Security Council and at S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, and then, so he's in there a bit. I'm kind of going back through a little bit. Yeah, but once again, the story has to go with the, the character. You can't just plug a character in there and make him work with the story. Do you know what I mean? Do you think he was just like, I need to be in this movie, and then they tried to shove him in there? No. No, I think he was done. I think it was done well. I don't think they just, I don't think Marvel went out and said, let's get a big name. Let's go get Robert Redford. I don't think they did that. Now, do I think they worked around him? A little, because he was in maybe 10 or 15 minutes of the movie, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I have to be in every scene. He knew his place, right? Because Marvel needed him more than he needed them. So, but yeah, I, I thought the, the get of Robert Redford was big. I, I do. Because he was the one that really started the Without that name, you're not having guys and gals like Meryl Streep and, you know, all these others come in in big names. You know, Jeff Goldblum, for lack of a better name, off the top of my head, and other ones. So, yeah. But, I mean, that I don't really go to movies anymore for big names anymore. So It has to be about the story. Right. And I think that's like the end of an era. And I think Hollywood is still trying to put big names into their movies. And to tell you the truth, I don't care. As long as they're a good actor and they're a good fit, then it's a good reason to see the movie. But I'm not, you know, saying like, oh, look at this movie. It's got this guy in it. I think that's kind of something that's gone away. I don't think that it's a trope anymore. I don't think they are doing that. But I think back in the day, you know, back when this movie was... There are no more movie stars. 
So all of the movie stars that you have, I mean, like a Meryl Streep. I mean, we were just talking about this off camera, like Tom Cruise, how much pull he has. Supposedly, you know, he was supposed to be Iron Man in one of these, you know, in the multiverse of madness or whatever. But, you know, the thing is, there's no more movie stars. There's no more stars like a Denzel Washington or a Tom Hanks or a Meryl Streep or Robert Redford. That's all time Hollywood. It really is. It's kind of sad, though, because, I mean, you know, at least I knew, like, at the water cooler who I was talking about. And, you know, I'll talk to people and they don't, nobody knows the actors anymore. Yeah. So Alexander Pierce is now played by Rob. Well, he is Robert Redford. And so we then, so Cap rolls up in his motorcycle and Nick Fury is in his apartment. And so let, let me backtrack a little bit. They go on the mission and they get the, they get the mission done. And then Natasha is actually taking a flash drive. And she's downloading some S.H.I.E.L.D. files. And so Steve calls her out and says, you know, what are you doing? That's not part of the mission. And so she said, well, I was given a different mission from Nick Fury. So they go through the window because Beltrock's about to escape. So we never see him again. So she's not happy with that. But she's like, that was my fault. So Steve is upset that he's being kept in the dark. And so then that's when he goes back to Nick Fury's office and said, look, what's going on? And he'd be comfortable if he was in the loop. So this is when he shows him Project Insight. And this is the scene I was just describing in which he says, this isn't freedom, it's fear. And you have to, Fury says, well, you got to get on board with this. So that's when he goes to the Smithsonian. He looks at the exhibit. I love the scene, though. That was so cute. Cute is probably not the right word, but cool was when they're all walking around and the boy's got a Captain America shirt on and he's got the shield and Steve. Like, <laughs> I thought that was so cool. I remember that from the preview. That was pretty cute. That was cute. Yeah. So then, as I said, he goes to visit Peggy. And so then Fury tries to access the files on the flash drive, but he can't because they're locked by him. So this is when he goes to Alexander Pierce's office and this is when we see Robert Redford for the first time so then Steve goes to the VA and he basically wants to watch a little of the meeting and he wants to catch up with his new friend that he made jogging and so he tells him about his friend that he lost and he doesn't know what he wants to do if he wants to get out or not because of this new information so basically Fury drives to as he's driving, he contacts Maria Hill, which she was Colby Smothers, which she had a good recurring role in a few films. I mean, she was in The Avengers. She was in, I think she was in Captain Marvel. She, so she's had her, that would be an interesting movie. Let me ask you now that I'm on the question. Do you think, so when one of the things I said in the Multiverse of Madness spoiler cast is they should make an all-female eccentric movie with like, Black Widow and Maria Hill and everything else. Do you think there would be, since Black Widow has gotten her own movie, do you think something like Maria Hill, do you think people would be interested in that kind of movie? I don't think so. I think there's been kind of a backlash on that. It's like 
focusing on like these characters just because they are female. I think they'd have to like I just don't think there's that much interest and I don't think the character is that well fleshed out. Yeah, no, I I agree. And I just to make a movie just for movie's sake, just to be about a female character, I don't think you need to have like a character with a good backstory, good, you know, starting point. So I don't think she would have the content for a whole movie. Okay. So then do you think let's put let's say you put all five together. Let's say you make a female version of the Avengers. Scarlet Witch, you've got Captain Marvel, you've got Maria Hill, you have the leader of the the guard for the Black Panther, and you have, you know, take, and I know I'm forgetting some, but take one or two others. Do you think that works as a female team? No, I just, I just don't have that much interest in that, those characters, like, I don't think they have like a core I mean, they had the Captain Marvel movie, but I still don't like her as a character. So I think maybe, you know, okay, I do have, if they had more Wakanda characters, like more of those, like, I do like the Wakanda characters. So if they had more of a focus on that, then I would. I think a lot of those characters could be fleshed out and they're interesting enough, but not like that whole part. Because I know Captain Marvel would be like the new leader of that group. I see. I, that's the thing. I wouldn't even see. I don't even think you could put a leader on there. That's the thing. I I mean, there's there's no leader per se. It's not like Iron Man would be or Captain America. It's not like you have Team Cap and Team Iron Man. This is six female characters that are, some of them, really powerful. I mean, and so, but I think you'd have to do it in such a way that the villain, would, the story would have to be right, Okay. And I think you have to get the right villain. I do. But I'll be honest with you. I think it's a billion dollar idea. I really do. I think it's a... Because, and, if you're going to be on the... If we're going to be on the topic, Marvel and... I don't know what your thoughts are, but Marvel has a horrible, horrible track record of killing off their female characters and just how they treat their female characters. Whether it's Gamora, whether it's Black Widow, whether it's the head of Wakanda, whether it's, you know, Nebula, whoever it is. And I think that if you put them all together, I mean, look, I'll be honest. You had that five minutes, even that the small little scene when everybody erupted, when they had all the, you know, an endgame, when everybody was together, like, going at it, you know, could have that. For, I mean, it doesn't have to be a long movie, but it could be long enough that 90 minutes... But like I said, you have to have the right story and you'd have to have the right characters. But, yeah. So, so uh, I mean, we'll have to have another coffee bet on that if they actually do make it, I think. Yeah. No, I, I don't. They won't. No, they, they will never make that. They will never make that. They will never make that. Because the reason is, you're right. What I was just asking about the Maria Hill, there's no way they'll make that. Because they have so many other characters that they are in tune with in line with there's no way they'll do that they are the female unfortunately and this is a, this is a horrible reality the female character in, with marvel is a side character they are a counterpart it is all about the male because of the demographic well i was just going to say just even from the comics being the material that they are they were kind of written in a time when boys were reading the comics and boys you know, wanted to read about other boys, right? Exactly. So, 
back to Winter Soldier. So he calls Maria Hill, and that's he gets ambushed with it was a, another great shot, a sequence of shots where you see him roll up to a stoplight. So he ends the call with Hill, rolls up to the stoplight, and then he looks at the next room. It's a police, you know, there's a couple of police guys in there, police officers in there. He says, I thought it was funny. He's like, you want to see my lease? So then he, he actually goes and be, the green light hits, and then out of nowhere, he just gets slammed, T-boned. And it's like, whoa, what a jolt. So you go from very quiet to very loud. And so then he gets ambushed and he has nowhere else to go except Steve's apartment. So that's when he goes to Steve's apartment and he basically tells him that he's being, there's shield compromised and he goes and, you know, he gives Steve the USB port. And so he gets shot. Somebody kills him. And Emily Van Camp, who is the next door neighbor, is now the... Was she the guy that she was trying to hook up with him? Uh, yeah, so the, later on we see, later on we find out that she is Peggy's niece in Civil War. So he goes back to his apartment, and but yeah, so he's given the USB port, and that's when people start asking questions. He doesn't want to give anything up. So then Natasha and... Without, well, I'm not going to go through every single beat of the movie, but the point is that Rogers or Captain America now becomes a fugitive. Natasha goes on the run, and they find a base. And Zoloff, who was actually in the first one, was part of it. And so it this. So then they go to interrogate somebody in Hydra, Sitwell, who is Jeremy Sitwell, who's actually on the boat at the time it got hijacked. But the, one of the major premises of this movie and themes of this movie is privacy is your privacy being compromised because believe it or not and people don't think about this and this whole project insight it's actually pretty i won't say not for what it is but even as we're talking today we have a digital footprint right right i mean everything i do i mean every search i do i mean they know that, you know, I'm looking for diapers online and then I get like 12 different advertisements on Facebook, you know. For diapers. Yeah. So whether it's SAT scores or medical records or emails or texts, it's all online. And I, I think I saw a st statistic once. 51% of all photographs ever taken are online. Out of human history? Out of human history. Which is a crazy, I mean, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or whatever, Twitter, but... So basically, yeah, so Pierce gets exposed, and so I'm just going to wrap it up by saying this. There were actually a couple of, uh, let me, one, I do have one scene that I love in the last act, and that's when the World Security Council comes to S.H.I.E.L.D., and they want to see the operation. And by this time, Pierce has been exposed, and so they all have trackers on them, and then it's really Black Widow, and she takes off the the, uh, the mask, and she's like, oh, did I just spoil your moment? <laughs> I love that, because it was just so well done, and just, but yeah, it's, and I know I didn't go through every beat, but for what it was, it was a political thriller, it had a ton of action, it had a little bit of romance, which you'd like, it had, it really had the introduction of Bucky Barnes, or yeah, the Winter Soldier, which... You know, Sebastian Stan is in 
a lot of the later um, movies. It had a great story. Yeah. I mean, it was good, but still not my top. I mean, it was just too preachy to me. Really? I don't... How? How so? Just about, you know, we've got to keep our data private. And I just don't go to movies. I just want it to be entertaining. So you don't think, let me ask you this then. You don't think that's... I think it's very important. I think it's very important. But I don't want to go to a movie to think about how everything I do is tracked. Everything that I'm... I just want to see a good movie. And like when I see a Marvel movie, I expect just to see... You know, some action on the screen, some humor, just kind of a way to escape. I think that's what made this so good, is that they actually took the story of a plot or the plot point of the theme, if you will, of the privacy or lack thereof. And you got action. You got a ton of action. You got some humor, enough humor that there were a couple of laugh out loud moments. And it wasn't overly, it wasn't overbearing. It wasn't overbearing. I guess it's just, it hit a little too close to home. You know what I mean? Like, I want to, like, escape from reality for two hours or whatever for a Marvel movie. Yeah, I mean, I think the movie you really, like, if we're going to talk about privacy issues, I think the movie you're really talking about is Snowden. That's all about privacy. There's no action in that. There's no laughter. That's all about privacy. That's one man exposing a whole network this i think was just a a microcosm of what it could be this is if everything worked out what it could be is horrible and systemic but it's just that much because you did have the action you did have the humor you did have i won't say political thriller but you had the political aspect of it you had a good story and i think at the end of the day that's what you want Yeah, like I said, it hit a little too close to home, and I understand why they're doing it. They're trying to make it relevant to people who are watching it, but like I said, you know, I wasn't expecting, like, a big, you know, commentary, social commentary from it. I just kind of wanted to watch a movie. Yeah, but we were introduced, I think it was a good way to introduce the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I mean, that was the other key, that was the other thing I really liked, is how Steve had to wrestle with this. That he's my friend, and but yet I'm supposed to go out and, and hurt this guy. Because he still thinks of him as Bucky. He doesn't think of him as the Winter Soldier. Even though he lost him in Hydra. So, yeah. So, I have always contended that this is a... As I said earlier, I think this movie really saved the whole franchise. I really do. Because if they had got any other directors... Because you have the screenwriters there. So they wrote a good script. So it's not like you're starting with a brand new bunch of writers and they have to go find their way with Captain America. They knew Captain America from the first movie, and I think that was important, and that showed. So, But I think this is a top five MCU movie. I really do. I mean, I, I, it's number five for me. Okay. It's number five for me. I, I, mean, I mean, it's at number five. If I'm going to put the other four in there, it's, you know, Black Panther and Civil War and... Infinity War and, you know, so, but this is at number five. So I think this is one of those things where this is one of the few times where the sequel is better than the original. I think it was a good addition to the movie franchise. I think it helped fill in a lot of gaps. But again, 
I didn't get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It was just more of a way to fill in some of the gaps. It just, it was good. I mean, it was better than Thor. No, yeah. Thor absolutely. the Dark World, so. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and you're right. And, that, and you know, that that's, you bring up a good point, Ian, because that movie was horrible. Let's just call it what it is. It was horrible. And the fact is, you're only as, you know, we say this about directors all the time. You're only as good as your last movie. Well, we'll say this about a franchise. You're only as good as your last movie. And because Thor was terrible, Thor the Dark World was terrible, they had to come back with something else that was really upper echelon. Because that's why I say they saved the franchise. <laughs> because if they didn't... It had a good Avengers-type feel to it. I mean, it felt epic, for sure. Yeah. No, it did. The scale was there. And I think you had the, I think the addition of Redford helped. I don't think it was the end-all, be-all, but I think it started a whole chain of stars that wanted to be in this. And when they saw how successful it is, then everybody wanted to be it. And then where we are today. So I'm going to give this three film reels. I think it was good, not great. The great ones, the perfect ones are reserved for four film reels. And that's, we have... A couple, well, we have one that's coming up in the next month or two that I can't wait to talk about. So, next week, we have your favorite, remind me, you were saying you liked Guardians, the soundtrack better, but you like Guardians 2, the story better? Is that what Yeah, I would say so, yeah. So, we have Guardians of the Galaxy coming up. James Gunn's first entry into this franchise, and he's done a lot of great movies. And then the week after that, we have the sequel to the blockbuster Avengers. And then in two weeks, we'll have Ant-Man, which I think is he's probably an underrated, no pun intended. I think he's really an underrated superhero. I mean, you know, he has that being able to, I think it's because he, maybe it is because he's so tiny. People don't, you know, they don't like being turned into such a small little thing. I don't know. Yeah, people really can't maybe like self-impose like, imagine themselves as that hero, I guess. Yeah. You got a good point. And so that ends phase two. And then as we move on, we'll have, I think the start of phase three has probably some of the best films. This isn't the meat and potatoes. Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, which I know you, with your medical background, I'll let you do that all by yourself and I'll just sit back and, because you'll have, be able to talk about that all day. Guardians 2, another one. Phase three is going to be your phase, Ian. You're going to have Doctor Strange, Guardians 2, and Thor Ragnarok. So the next six or seven weeks, it's going to be so much fun. So coming up, as I said, next week, we do have Guardians to look forward to. And then, of course, this Friday, we have Top Gun Maverick. Are you going to go see that one, or are you going to wait? I'm going to wait. I think that's something I'm going to wait to get onto streaming services. Cool. So coming up, we got Top Gun Maverick. I will be doing the spoiler cast for that. So stay tuned for that. Then in a couple more weeks, we'll have another blockbuster, the finale of the Jurassic World series, Jurassic World Dominion. And then I know you're looking forward to the beginning of July because the new Thor movie, Love and Thunder, will come out. So that will be great. So we got a bunch of stuff. Guys, if you haven't already, hit the follow button. You'll never miss a podcast, and it's going to be a blast. So, I'm David Steele. She's Ann Cargard, 
and this has been Real Talk.